was each time we took a step of radical faith, it meant giving up some things, but trusting Him to provide. And I would say 100% of the time, it looked like meeting other people. Welcome to the Storytellers Lab podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And if you have been a listener for a long time, you may have noticed our beginning has changed. We are going to try something new, and we're going to give you a little snippet of our story at the beginning so that you know which story is coming up and what it's about. So we hope that you liked it today. And that was Andrea Young, our storyteller for today. And Andrea lives in Atlanta. And I'm going to give you a little background on her because I followed her blog back in the days of blogging when they were getting ready to adopt their first child. And then you will hear in her story, they now have six children, four biological, two adopted from two different countries. And I really got to know her because they ran, she and friends ran an adoption conference for adoptive moms called Created for Care. And so if any of you listening are adoption women, you know about this. I attended back in the early days when we brought our daughter home from China. And so I've followed Andrea's story for a very long time. So when I reached out to her, to share. I was so excited that she said yes, because Katie is going to tell you they have lived an incredible life. I mean, I tell you, one of the things that I love is when God layers messages on us. Last week, we're coming off of Sophie Hudson, who really challenged us to not disqualify ourselves and dismiss ourselves for work in God's kingdom. Today, Andrea challenges us to take a step of radical faith, whatever God is calling you to do. Maybe it's not adoption. Maybe it's something else that God is really laying something on your heart to take a step of radical faith. Listen to her story, listen to the Holy Spirit, and see what God is calling you to do. And speaking of radical faith, you will hear Andrea talk about God showing up in the details of her life, which is exactly what our Bible study is called, When God Shows Up. You can find When God Shows Up at storytellerslive.org, along with the Discover Your Story journal, which is a guide to writing your own story. And it's really a guide about discovering where God has shown up in your own life. So check that out today at storytellerslive.org. Here's Andrea. I am excited to share with you all today. When I was asked, when Robin asked, just even about a a simple miracle, maybe to even share with y'all, I couldn't just think of one. I thought of a lot and I kind of stepped back and, you know, it's crazy when you step back and look at miracles sometimes in your life that God has done and where you see a central theme and And I think that's really where you see those patterns and you see how God speaks to you or how he works. And in my life, one of the things, one of the words that came to my mind really was radical faith. Now, if you would have asked me, did I have radical faith in my 20s when I met my husband and we got married? I would have, I don't know, I wouldn't have called it radical. That's for sure. I would have said, yes, I have faith, but maybe not radical. But now that I look back, I see that the only way I had that was saying yes to what the Lord was putting before me and what truly ended up being the hardest, hardest times. And isn't that what faith is? Faith is saying yes to the Lord when it is the hardest to say yes. So I picked out a couple of things that I wanted to share with y'all just to encourage you wherever you are of God showing up, him showing up when really I needed him to show up, but where it wouldn't work out any other way. So I I just want to jump back just kind of at the beginning, just to give you the full story, because it kind of makes more sense at the end, how impactful it all is. 
so I met my husband. We've been married almost 20 years and I met him in my 20s. I had just come home from China and living a year there. And I was very determined to um, get right back. So when I met him, he had to, we always laugh and he had to ask me several times on a date because I was just so determined that I was going to be a missionary in China and he wasn't in the, you know, future there. But eventually we did, we did go on a date. We ended up getting married, of course. And, and quickly, right after we got married, we had our Parker, our first child. So we had been married four months when we found out we were going to have him nine months later, of course. And I'll never forget, like, even just how feeling shocked or, oh my goodness, I, I wanted to celebrate, but I also had other plans of how I wanted everything to happen in a certain order where we're married for two years. And then we start our family. And I had a lot of friends who had already been married and they had struggled with infertility. So I didn't even know how to share, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this. So I think I just even kept that struggle in. Well, Parker came and then lo and behold, three months later, we find out we're going to have another baby. And at that point, honestly, y'all, I was done. I was happy with my two kids and I let's raise our two kids. And my husband, he had, he loved to play golf at the country club and I was still new to the Atlanta area. And he was like, just, you know, take the kids to the pool. You'll meet a lot of friends there. And I just remember sitting at the pool with these two little babies and desperately just wanting to have friendships that were deep and just that I could walk this road with. And, and it may be me the just the wrong time I was showing up, but it just so happens that the only people I was making friends with were the nannies. And I just remember sitting there thinking, is this what is this that is this the life that I want? Is this what is this gonna be my space? I don't know. I feel like I was just even praying to the Lord, Lord, I want, I want more. I want more than this. And not more from a I mean, can it get more than that? You know, and from a like world perspective. And I just felt like there was something more that he was calling me to. And so I just started praying about, about that. And even just to rewind just a little bit, right. When we found out that we were going to have Lainey, I can remember we were in this neighborhood and I walked out. I just remember walking out to the mailbox and bursting into tears because I was so overwhelmed. I had gone through a little postpartum with our first and um, this precious, precious neighbor walks across the street I had no idea what the Lord was going to do. And this is the first, really, for me, the miracle that I wouldn't have seen being a miracle, but it was stepping out and being honest when I was struggling. And so here I am at the mailbox in tears and this precious uh, mom that has two kids kind of already way ahead of me comes out and says, honey, why are you crying? And I just share, I'm going to have another baby. And I just remember her consoling me and be like, this is amazing. And I'm going to help you. And I asked her to be the godmother of um, that baby. And if you would have, and I didn't even know what that meant, but I remember that being even on my heart to even say, which sounded like the craziest thing ever. Like she probably was wishing she hadn't come out to check her mailbox at the same time. And I honestly even didn't, I mean, I, I know that's, I didn't know what it even meant to to have a godparent, but it, I just asked her and she said, yes. And fast forward 20 years to even now, I look back and she is still one of my best friends. And she has really taught me what it looks like 
to come through for somebody and to be there and what it means to do life together. And so I just even look back on that and I think, what if, what if I had sat in my house in that struggle and not walked outside because I needed to talk to somebody and I just walked outside and looking back, I know the Lord pushed me out that front door, asked me to be vulnerable and like a crazy person asked me to just, do you want to be your godmother if you're going to help me? And she did. And it's just so incredible looking back on that now and how we're still so close, even though we moved neighborhoods and we've moved again since then, but she's still my person. And it was in that vulnerability. And then thinking about after our second was born, it was a struggle. It was hard because I was young and um, we had them 14 months apart. And I remember feeling and my husband encouraging me and y'all have all been there at some point where you feel like you need to find another outlet as a mom and you just need a healthy outlet. And I looked at my gifts and I love photography and I had 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 a lot of friends encouraging me to consider that. So that heart beating moment again of feeling like God is asking you to do something. And I'm like, photography, really? But I stepped out in faith and started a photography business with two kids. Now, this is kind of where it just absolutely turns crazy because it sounds like that's pretty typical, normal, but the Lord blessed my photography business. And I had this idea that I would just keep moving up my prices because business was just getting way too busy. And I thought, well, I'll keep moving up my prices and then people will stop booking me. But that didn't happen. And I just became even more sought after. And I was like, what in the world? And so Richard and I sat down and it was just so clear that God's hand was on it. I also felt a, a big conviction that maybe God was blessing us because he wanted us to do something else with the money I was making there. So as much as I in the world, it made sense to sock it away for and as savings. We really felt like God was calling us to do more. And I will never, ever forget, y'all, it's just a simple prayer. I remember praying, Lord, show us clearly what you want us to do with this. And that night, I had a dream. And I, as I dreamed about Africa. And I, I remember waking up and, told, and I told Richard, I was like, Richard, I really feel like we're supposed to give everything I make um, with this business to Africa. And he was like, okay, well, let's just pray that he clearly shows us. The next day, I'm not kidding. The next day we go to church and I'm walking down the hall and we run into this man, didn't even know him. And he has a picture book and he says, Hey, could I tell you about this trip? I just went on to Africa. My husband looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, oh yeah. So um, we go to our Sunday school class and he happened to be the guest speaker that day. He shares about his trip to Africa. And then I'll walk up to him after class. And I'm like, would you like to come over for dinner tonight? Like a crazy person again, because I just knew that God was speaking and working because it was just clear. So he came over for dinner, shared about what God was doing in Africa. And we started giving to um, this ministry. And four months later, I was working, you know, two and three days a week. And I was just like, Richard, we really need to go. We really need to go if this is what we're working for. And so for about four, it was the next summer, we went to Africa together. And when we got there, we realized that it wasn't some big, huge ministry. It wasn't, and it was really just his family, the friend that we had met who was kind of giving to this, at the time, it was just this mud church where these women were showing up, keeping these kids safe during the day and teaching them the best they knew how. And when we walked into that, we realized that God was again doing a miracle and he put us right in the middle of it through just the 
or yes and the small little faith to start a photography business. But if you look back and remember, the only reason I did that was because I was struggling with two kids and I needed an outlet. And it was saying yes in that hard moment that he would do more. And so here we found ourselves in Africa and watching these kids and that longing, even just that heartbeat moment again of feeling like these kids could be my kids and they deserve more than this. And what can we do to give them more than this? And we wanted to build them a school. And so that would lead to working with this family to start a ministry and get our 501c3 back when we returned to the United States. So, but also while we were there, my husband had really been praying about growing our family. And I was, like I said, I was done. When when we started giving, I was saying, well, maybe this will fill his longing to grow our family again because he wanted a big family. And and I was not up for that. I was like, you know, we've got two kids. That was hard and hard. And um, we're done. But as we were there, I just, as I was praying for these kids in that in that church building, saying, I think we're really called to love these kids like they're our kids. And as I was praying into that, I actually really started loving these kids like they were my kids. And my heart just started to even expand in that. And I think that's where God really put on my heart the first time that maybe he was calling us to grow through adoption. So we returned from that trip so excited about what God could do and would do. And we believed he wanted to do in Zambia. And we drew people into that ministry that now has three schools and serves hundreds of kids. And if anybody wants to ever check it out, it's called Whiffin. You put widows and orphans together and get Whiffin.org. Um, and it's truly an amazing ministry where orphans and widows are served and they get to come to school and they're discipled. And it's just an incredible thing that we've gotten to be a part of. And I just think back, like, what if we had missed that? And it's all from saying yes in that hard minute. But when we came back, I was very much with adoption on my heart. And my husband was really excited because he had wanted to grow. And we, we attempted to look into adopting from the country. We were already doing ministry in because that made sense for us, but it was going to be too difficult. So we decided we were going to um, adopt from a different African country. And we started pursuing adoption from Ethiopia. Also at that time, we found out not too long into that process that we were expecting. So did put our adoption on hold simply because of the rules our agency had. And we had our third child and we thought, well, what would make sense would be to, you know, when he's two or three, we'll restart our adoption. But when that sweet baby was three months old, um, I, I can't even remember where and see where I'm sitting in our living room. And Richard was standing in the and I was nursing this three month old and looked across at my husband in the kitchen. And I said, what if we started our adoption again? And, you know, he looked at me and he was like, are you serious? Because I mean, clearly the world would think we were crazy, right? With a four-year-old, three-year-old and a newborn. I mean, clearly it makes sense to grow again, but he looked at me and he said, absolutely. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, because you all know you often have said maybe to your spouse or somebody and they're like, I'm not there yet. I'll have to pray for it. But the Lord clearly had put that both on our hearts at the same time. And here we had a three month old baby and we're going to call our agency and say, we, we would like to pick up our adoption. 
can start the process. And we knew it would be a long process. So maybe he, this sweet baby would be two or three years old by the time we brought our, our son home from Ethiopia. But that's not how it happened at all. In fact, we brought him home 10 months later, which crazy enough, we ended up having, you know, boys that were almost pretty much twins and which they take great pride in being called twins everywhere we go. So that was just even looking back, all of that really started with that hard moment of having two kids in Africa and saying yes to that. And while it might look like radical faith and all of that, it, it, it really didn't start that way. It was saying yes in those hard moments and those little, those little things. But, you know, some of the biggest miracles truly were about to happen. And I thought we were, we were done and good. But what happened right after we brought Isaac home was probably, I would say, one of the hardest, hardest things that it has, I've ever walked through because we had four kids. And about a month after we brought him home, I got really, really sick. And I didn't know, you know, was it the flu at first or what, but, but it never went away. So I was going to specialists and doctors trying to figure out um, what was going on. And after about the fourth doctor and getting results back, I learned that I had Lyme disease. I had missed the window of immediate treatment. So I was going to have to do a longer treatment for it, but my joints were affected. It was hard to pick up my kids and I had to hire a nanny to help me. And that was the first time I think I really stepped back and I was like, okay, this other stuff was all really exciting saying yes to God each time and seeing him come through. But this was the first time in my momhood where I looked back on my yeses and I was like, Lord, I saw you in all of that. But what are you doing now? Because I said, yeah, we said yes. And we have a bigger family. And and I've seen you come through again and again and, and again. But here I am. This does not make sense because I can't even pick up the ones that you've called me to care for. And watching this somebody, I don't know if there's anything. I'm sure, yes, there are harder things. But in that moment for me, was there anything harder than finally being at a place, having four little ones, two one-year-olds, a you know, a three and a four-year-old and watching somebody else pick up your kids and care for your kids and feeling so inadequate, even like I should be the one doing that and having to put, you know, put it, I put my, stopped my photography business, a gift and something that I, I was finding, you know, respite and being refueled in. And it just all at that time made absolutely no sense. But in that, I was very open and honest with people and very vulnerable about what I was struggling with. And also at that same time, if you've never brought home a kid through foster care or adoption, there's a lot of um, hard things on top of when I was feeling sick, but there's a ton of things that I had no idea for. It doesn't matter the amount of training that you, you were given in the process of adoption. Nothing can prepare you for your kid's specific needs. And every child is so different, but parenting a kid that has past trauma I really honestly was not prepared for. And so these were back in the blog days and I was blogging and just sharing our, sharing kind of what I was going through. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that, I was sharing, you know, just some of the process of um, different things we were doing. And our, our son was also, we were doing physical therapies and all of this extra stuff twice a week on top of me going to doctor. So it was just a crazy, crazy time looking back on it. But God showed up in another way in this moment was I was just sharing where I was. And as far as just the parenting struggle and balancing that, and I asked on my blog, 
you know, just even was there anybody else out there struggling? And I had brought counselors together that were going to come for a weekend to encourage foster and adoption moms. I took, I remember taking the kids to preschool and that was back in the days where your phone would ding if you got an email. And I can remember being in the drop-off line at preschool and my phone just ding, 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 ding. And I was like, oh my, you know, what is that? I got home and um, checked my email and there were hundreds of responses from that ask, is anybody struggling? I'm going to do this weekend. Would you want to come? And I said there were 25 spots um, because I had found a little place I could book on the lake. Well, lo and behold, there were 250 emails. And I immediately took my blog post down because I was like, oh my gosh, never mind. Never mind. Um, I can't, I can only, uh, there were only 25. But then I just took a minute to step back. And it was again, like, looking back at that photography business where God blessed it and it didn't make sense. And I was like, I asked a question and this didn't make sense. And just saying, okay, God, clearly there's a need here. You showed up in that vulnerability and other people are struggling and maybe you can use me to do something. And so I called the counselors back who I had talked to amazing, amazing ministry called Empowered to Connect that had agreed to come to these 25 women. And also would help me figure out how to minister to 250 women. And we had to, of course, change our location. But in that, a ministry was born. And the next year, a thousand women were served in two groups of 500 for the next seven years. And just even looking back on that, it, it's another it's another mailbox moment. What if what if I hadn't walked out? What if I hadn't shared? What if I hadn't said, y'all, I'm struggling in this. Is there anybody else? And it's crazy to think how God always shows up when we ask him to, but sometimes it's in the hard, hard moments where if he doesn't come through, I don't know what else will happen. And maybe he's going to use other people in our path to do that. And at all of the same time, um, I was still sick. And how was I going to do, how was I going to do a retreat too? And also take kids here. So none of that, none of that made sense. So clearly the Lord wouldn't ask me to do us to do anything else. However, spring came and we, after the retreat at the retreat, I'd actually at the retreat that I had helped do, I heard about this opportunity to host kids for the summer. I, I wasn't at all thinking of that except for my heart. It just, I was, you know, it was beating. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm just supposed to, maybe we're just supposed to tell more people about it. So I'll, I'll tell people about it. I just started telling everybody about, you know, you could host for the summer. Maybe you could host for the summer. And it wasn't until I started really praying about it that I said to myself, Andrea, maybe you could host for the summer. And I was like, but no, God wouldn't ask me to do that. Also, I wouldn't pass because we're sick and I'm sick and maybe they wouldn't approve us. But I was getting better and they said it was, you know, we, we did ask and they were like, yeah, no, you're good. You can, you can host. And so we went just to the initial meeting. We just went to the initial meeting just because I was like, maybe I'll get there. And they'll say, you know, it won't work out. The Lord will be like, okay, at least you just went to the meeting. That's all I wanted you to do. But we got to the meeting and we got really excited and I knew God wanted us to host that summer. So we, we knew we couldn't, a, a lot of times in these hosting programs, they um, families would um, maybe already have a home study and they knew that they could even have the chance to adopt or they're already in the adoption process uh, and they actually host the child for the summer they're adopting. But 
in our case, we knew that we were not going to grow again. And um, there was no way we really could adopt because you have to pass medicals and be healthy for a year after. So we knew that wasn't the case. So we decided, let's, let's go ahead and host maybe a kiddo that wouldn't have the opportunity to be adopted. And let's intentionally host someone who's aging out. So that's what we did. They matched us with, um, we asked for that and they matched us with a 15 year old and we knew that she'd be aging out that summer. And we just wanted to pray big, like what could God do that we could continue to support her after she aged out? So the crazy, crazy thing that I didn't expect that I didn't hope, well, of course I hope for, but I never thought that would happen. But the very week before she landed on U.S. soil, where we went to pick her up, I went to the doctor, not expecting this, but they ran all these, all the tests and they could not detect Lyme disease or spirochetes in my body. And it was so wild to me that God would show up in that way one week before we were stepping out in, in faith in such a big way that we had already said yes, that we were doing it, whether I was healthy or not, or whether it was gone or not. I didn't know if I would have that forever, but how God showed up in that moment. And he knew that he, that I would be better when he asked me in March, but I didn't. I just knew that he was asking me to do that and to say yes to that, because I'd seen him, how he showed up in the heart over and over again. And I also didn't expect what was about to happen that summer. That summer, she came, by the way, she spoke zero English and we spoke zero Russian and we used Google Translate. I never thought I'd be so thankful for Google Translate. And I've also never knew how much Google Translate could mess up what you were trying to say. Um, we learned a lot, a lot that summer just about communication and, and we saw God, oh my goodness, do wonders. One thing that was, that we did know is that our sweet girl was so adamant about is that she didn't, she didn't want to be adopted and she very much loved her country. And so we never even worried about like advocating or thought about advocating like many of the hosting families were. Instead, we just helped her dream about what she could do in, in Ukraine when she returned. And I will never, ever, ever forget. And their side of the story is just as miraculous, but ours was she was turning 16 right before she left. And on her 16th birthday, we were standing in the kitchen and just, we were celebrating her and she asked to say the prayer. And I had invited um, my dear friend who does a lot of work in Ukraine, who knows Russian. And for the first time, it was so cool because we had her there to translate and she was far better than Google. Um, what she said actually was what she really said. And and saying happy birthday, we had, she asked, we had jumpies, we had, and, and the reason we had jumpies, she planned the birthday party and she had been t hanging out with us all summer long. So all the birthday parties she was going to were four and five-year-old birthday parties. So for her 16th birthday, she was like, well, you need jumpies. Yes, you do. So we, we rented jumpies and um, had a ball and there we were birthday party house packed of all the people who had, who had been a part of our summer and man, did we need people to show up that summer and all of our friends had fallen in love with her. And here we were, and she asked to say the blessing over her birthday. And I will never, ever in my life, again, it's back to, I can see where everybody's standing, just like when I could see where Richard was standing, when I said we should adopt again, I can, I can see where everybody was standing in that kitchen and her arms we're out like she was praising the Lord. And I'm like, what in these fans, what is happening? Because I've never seen, and she thanks God for our family. And I saw the first, I guess the first um, moments of 
connection and care that I hadn't seen all summer. And then she said that she wished that she could have a family and that God would bless our family. But now that she saw what family was. And while that was such a sweet, beautiful prayer, my heart literally went to my stomach and I felt that big bubble in my throat. Like, Lord, how are you going to answer this prayer? Because we just sang happy birthday, which to me was like beautiful and cool that we all got to do together. But in truth, we just watched her age out of the system. And now what? Well, now that I knew that she did like us back, I, I needed a minute. I needed a minute to pray and I asked God, now what, now what was he going to do? Because in all the other situations, I, I, I had seen him show up, but this one just didn't make sense for me because I knew we couldn't adopt. And so I turned to Richard and I'm like, hun, we're moving to Ukraine. And he's like, what? And um, I just, I, I was like, we are moving. We are moving to Ukraine. And, um, or, or I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. So I remember turning to my friend who, who she had a, a daughter from overseas that also spoke Russian. And she said, could she spend the night with us tonight? And I said, yeah, cause I'm going to need a minute. So she went and spent the night. And I remember just going up to my room and I wrestled and I wept. And I don't know if there's another time in my life that I can look back on and say I was wrestling in a way that I was angry, but also just, I just couldn't see it. And I actually remember telling God in that room, God, you're too late. This time you showed up all those other times, but this time you're too late. And I just didn't see like, I didn't, I didn't feel like we were supposed to really move to Ukraine. I didn't know how it was going to work. And I just, I didn't see any way he could show up. And I remember calling my friend who had been there earlier translating. She does a lot of work over there and particularly with adoption and knew the ins and outs of every bit of how any miracle could happen or a hoop that could jump through. And I said, tell me, there's got to be a hoop. There's got to be. And she said, well, there's one. And I'm like, okay, that'll do. What's the hoop? And she said, it would have to be a family already in Ukraine, already adopting all of these, you know, and that's pretty much going to court tomorrow. And I was like, okay, well, that's not, I know it's not, I I don't know how that would happen. And she said, I don't either. So I went to bed and I, I couldn't sleep. And I just prayed throughout the night. And I remember about three a.m. I felt like the Lord was asking me, which sounds crazy. Go check your email. Like, okay. I don't think that, I don't know, but I will. So I went and checked my email and there was an email from a dear um, connection, a friend who um, had helped us back. I knew her because of Whiffen and the ministry that God had led us to be a part of. And she had done the library. And so actually about 3 a.m. as I was sitting there praying, I felt just this nudge to check my email. And I'm like, I mean, you've got mail, right? I'm like, Lord, are you really telling me to check my email? Is there going to be something from you? Um, but I go and check my email and I'm like, okay, I'll just check my email. Maybe I'm just bored for a minute. And that's, is it me t- saying check your email? Is that him? I mean, what? So I go check my email and there is literally an email from a family in the Ukraine who, who was in Ukraine and in the position to, through their adoption, to go to court tomorrow. And um, I needed to go see if she wanted to be adopted. And I, I will never like, 
in my never have I seen like a miracle as crazy as that and getting to have the privilege of asking this precious this precious precious girl does she want to be adopted and and us ha- and the lord having giving us a relationship to be able to validate yeah this is an amazing family and even getting to drive her over to what would be her house and knowing exactly where they live and it was just such a bigger beautiful story that was being written that i could have never ever ever imagined how all those pieces connected together even in my being sick knowing we couldn't adopt God healing me. So, and also the reason we, you know, even went for like a a kiddo and saying we wanted to host someone that was aging out was for a completely different purpose that God had in mind. And it was all of those things led to, to the end of this. It was just so incredible, even getting to pray that. And one of my prayers long before was that she would never be alone. She would always be with someone who would take care of her. So literally when she flew back, they were there waiting for her in the airport. And my prayer was answered. And I'll never forget, oh my gracious, the homecoming at the airport and my kids, like seeing her walk off the plane. And I have a beautiful picture of it and her hands high and my kids running out to meet her. And it was my adopted son. Oh, sorry. It was my adopted son that ran out first to give her a hug. And what a beautiful, beautiful picture that was of a story that God had written for both of our families. And it was all really all written in those saying yes to those little things that didn't feel like big things in the moment, but God had something bigger in it. After that whole process in summer, I felt just this big void. And and of course, a lot, a lot of loss. And as Richard and I kept praying, we thought, well, you know what? What if, what if we adopted again? I'm better now, and maybe we'll give it a year. And it's crazy, crazy to think back when I look back. Oh my goodness! When you look back to me sitting at that pool with those two kids and be like, we're done, you know, and them in their smocked outfits and their big bows, and we're at this country club, and I'm done, and we've got our house. And what if I hadn't followed that nudge of wanting more? And here, now after this whole crazy saying yes, we were feeling led to grow again through adoption. I I mean, what in the world? And what's so crazy is even when I think farther back to meeting my husband right after China and how I was like, "Um, no, I'm going to go back to China. And I always prayed that at some point I would get to go back. And I just didn't know how that would happen. But as we prayed about adopting, the Lord led us to adopt from China. And I will never, ever, ever forget um, being on that airplane. And we had taken some of our kids with us and, you know, you're getting them all set up with their iPads and it's absolutely chaos, you know, and they're asking you all these questions and you're passing back snacks and, you know, just getting everybody settled. And we're going to China and I remember everything. And my husband looks at me and he says, happy anniversary. Ah, you know, it's just so cool because I remember in that moment, He's like, I always prayed that somehow he would get to see where I started and where our whole life began together. And here we are on our 10th anniversary. I mean, God knew that date was going to happen and he planted it right there. But on our 10th anniversary, we were flying to bring home our son from China together. And I could not have written the story any, any better for sure. But it was, you know, it was just so crazy how he 
I want to say tied up with a bow, but we know he hasn't done that yet because we're, he's still, he's still doing that as we continue to say yes and to look for him when things are hard. And it wasn't any easier for sure coming home and restarting the um, parenting through trauma and um, the, what we call cocooning where you all huddle in close and help them adjust. And, and through that, through that whole time, our sweet oldest daughter, she was always praying that she could have a sister. And, and, you know, it was funny because the, she had a, two brothers, we brought home two boys and, and of course she's always praying for a sister. And I'm like, we're not, we're not adopting again. We really are done this time. But in our forties, we found out we were going to have a baby and I'll never, just even in that moment, I'll, I'll always remember when we found out we were having a girl and even how God answered her, her prayers. And here we are now in this farm um, in Alpharetta, Georgia. And we moved to a farm because um, we started doing animal therapy and our, our kids um, were really connecting and growing and healing through that. So Richard was like, let's just buy a farm. And clearly that's how we work now. So we just bought a farm and we live on a farm in Alpharetta with our six kids. And just looking back, I'm just so grateful that really that in the hardest moments, I didn't, of course I wallowed. We all wallow in our hard moments for a minute. And I think that that's grief and that is okay. But then in the next moment is what really matters is what do we do next in that? And looking back, God kept showing up as I kept praying, Lord, what do you want me to do next? And who do you want me to love in this? And it's in that, that God's faithfulness always will show up and always showed up for me. I think about um, this quote by Francis Chan. It says, but God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through. I love that so much because truly that is what faith looks like is where we're saying yes to things that it's not going to make sense any other way unless he comes through. And if anything is on your heart or, you know, you feel like the Lord is calling you to something. Um, maybe it's just even stepping out to your mailbox and being vulnerable with a neighbor. Maybe it's, maybe it's doing something that makes absolutely no sense. And he really is going to have to show up or it won't work out. I just want to encourage that person who's listening to, to say yes to the nudge, to trust him on the hard thing. Maybe you're in the hard moment and you don't know how he's going to show up and ask him, Lord, how can you get me to that next step? Will you help me get to the next step of asking, who can I be vulnerable with? Will you put them in my path? Um, Lord, who can I love in this? Who can I walk through with this and see a miracle happen in it together? It makes me think of this verse, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, when things don't make sense. And the story that he's writing for you isn't going to be a story as you trust him that you could write for yourself or that you would even want for yourself really when you see the one who wants to write for you it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts 
You know, I mentioned at the beginning that I love it when God layers messages on our hearts, and He certainly has done that in the month of September with our storytellers, starting with Ginger Jacks of just talking about God working in the unseen, and then going into Sophie Hudson talking about don't disqualify yourself for what God is calling you to do, and then right into Andrea today saying take a step of radical faith. I loved what she said when she said, you know, when it doesn't make sense, that's when it's really the most beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, it reminded me of Ginger's story of yeah. you know talking about the disciples sitting there looking at the cross and then, you know, talking about Sophie thinking, you know, what is God calling me to do? He's calling me to write. I'm just a (laughs) cheerful voice. And then just moving into her talking about a step of radical faith. Listen, guys, that's not us setting these stories up. That is God. God Mm -hmm. is layering on each one of us to take a step of radical faith and trust Him right now. Well, I mean, Andrea just hit me between the eyes because (laughs) I was comfortable with two kids by the pool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly what you're saying. I mean, you know, we are so elementary. I mean, God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And if we would trust him to do that, if we would step out in radical faith. And I mean, hey, she's a saint. I I can't relate to this. That's why it hit me between the eyes. Wow. I mean, my my spiritual life might be lacking here. You know, with radical faith, I think one of the things that we find that's so challenging is it seems so hard. Mm-hmm. And that's because we carry it ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, she talked in the very beginning about needing people and that to do crazy things because their life to the average person seems crazy. She even referenced, will people think we're foolish? What are yes, we yes, doing? Yes. <laughs> and, and so not only does it feel overwhelming to us, like we have to carry this heavy load and make it all happen. We're worried about what other people will think. Mm-hmm. And Andrea, I loved her story so much. And one of the things we had talked about when I was coaching her through her story is she talked a lot about needing other people. And so when she got to the end of her story, she hadn't quite covered that. And so I said, hey, will you tell us a little bit more? Because I loved what you said earlier about how taking a step of radical faith and raising a family of six children of, you know, from different parts of the world You can't do that on your own. And you heard the little clip at the beginning that's from this section. And so now we're actually going to play where Andrea talks about the importance of needing other people. One thing along the way that it it was probably a lot of even dying to pride a little bit was, you know, I wanted to be very independent, not need other people and take care of myself um, and take care of our small, easy, you know, the bows match the outfit family was each time we took a step of radical faith, it meant giving up some things, but trusting him to provide. And I would say 100% of the time, it looked like needing other people, whether it was my my precious Aunt Nisia across the street and needing her to help me understand what it means to, to raise a black son in America and um, or gracious how to figure out the hair and or even needing somebody to come over and help me when I was sick after Isaac came home and watching somebody else get to pick up my kids and how now she's a a mom with a lot of kids and how God used that in her own life and over and over again, how it's such, I think sometimes we just forget and miss what God wants to do in, in needing people and being a community and needing that community. And even when, um, how God works in that. 
Why is it as women, we do struggle with asking for help? (laughs) I mean, I I did. I agree that community is lost Mm -hmm. in our culture right now. And that's something we need to be be Mm. very intentional about. But as women, it is okay to say, hey, I'm struggling. I need some help. And and we had talked about that. I've had a summer of it's okay to say you're not okay. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's your step of radical faith is reaching out to other women or someone else and asking for that help. But Mm -hmm. I do think, you know, today we do have a little bit of a call to action Mm -hmm. after this story. We have a call to action for each one of us, I know, in this room of what is God calling us to step out in of radical faith. So we ask you that today. Spend some Mm -hmm. time with the Holy Spirit. Find out what God is, is calling you to do and take that step of radical faith. We want to thank Andrea for challenging us to do that today. Yes. So thank you so much for listening. We love when you share these stories with friends. This is a perfect one to sit down with a friend over coffee and talk about what radical faith you may even be hiding inside. So if you want to share just by texting a friend, you can share online by posting it on Instagram or Facebook and just passing it along. We're so thankful for you that listen, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.